Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. We're going to talk about prayer today. God is so good. Let's uh, let's stand and we're going to just pray. Father, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you, Father, for your freedom that comes. We thank you, Lord, that you speak to our heart and you change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So today I want to talk about the power of prayer. I'm starting a series, probably going to be four or five weeks long. How many know prayer is important? Prayer is something that we need to get in our spirit. And part one is called, Lord, teach us to pray. And so we need to understand, basically, prayer is fellowship with God. Prayer is fellowship with God. Number one, it's the ability to work with and understand the spirit world. Okay. Number two, it's communion with God. It's about having relationship with God. Very, very important. Prayer is supposed to be, should be a lifestyle that we live. It's not something that we do when we're in trouble. And so many times as Christians, we we can get to a place where we pray when we're in trouble, and it doesn't become a lifestyle. God wants us to pray without ceasing on a daily basis as believers, okay? Prayer is the breath of God. Prayer is powerful, okay? Prayer keeps you strong and alert. And in Jude verse 20, it's only one chapter, so it's verse 20. It says, but you, beloved, build yourself up. I'm reading out of the Amplified. Founded on your most holy faith, make progress, rise up like an edifice, like a structure higher and higher, praying in the Holy Spirit. And so you're building yourself up as a believer. It's like you got a battery in your spirit, and you're charging your battery when you pray so that you can have an effective life as a Christian. Amen? And so if we don't pray, we're not charging our batteries. We're not building ourselves up. And I really, really believe the devil is not afraid of good preaching and meeting attendance. What he's really afraid of is praying Christians. Right? Praying is the greatest ministry. When you learn to pray and take time to talk to God, uh, how many know you're charging? If we all do that as a church, we're going to be an unstoppable force. Right? And so... I've learned that unless you have a routine time that you're going to pray and a scheduled time, uh, you will not prioritize prayer because the flesh doesn't like to pray, right? And and so you have to schedule it. And so I see this verse here I love in Psalms 55, and this is what David said. He had a routine. He said, as for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Let's say it together. Evening morning and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. And so David had a scheduled time that he prayed unto the Lord. All right, I believe in 2022, what God is really asking of his people is to take time to pray. Uh, For some of you, maybe you don't pray on a regular basis. It might be starting with five minutes a day. For some of you, God is calling you maybe to pray with your spouse or or to pray for your peers at school. There, there, there's a level of prayer that God is calling us up to. All right? Whenever we've seen revival, we've got to understand that it was birthed by prayer and it was maintained by prayer. And when people stopped praying, the revival just diminished because prayer is a powerful, powerful source or force. So this morning, I want to look at how to pray. Uh, Jesus gave us this wonderful formula, and and I'm calling it a formula because Jesus said himself, do not pray repetitious prayers. Now, for 2,000 years, we've been praying this 
word for word, which is fine because it's, it's, it's the Lord's prayer, and, and we need to honor that. We need to pray it. But more importantly, Jesus was giving his disciples a pattern of prayer. And I find it funny that not, not one of his disciples said in Scripture, Lord, teach us to preach or teach us how to cast out devils or heal the sick. No, he said, they said, teach us to pray. I guess they recognized that Jesus prayed, and when he prayed, power was produced. And they said, we want to know how to pray. And so we're going to read this together. We're going to say the prayer together. In this manner, therefore, pray. Let's say it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So, here's the breakdown. I believe Jesus was getting to his disciples. So, the next first point here. Our Father in heaven. So, Jesus says he's bringing, he's bringing it begins, our, our prayer has to begin with identification. We need to address God as our Father. And this is amazing because in the Old Testament, they ne- people could not identify to God as Father. They, they identified He was their Lord, He was their Master, He was their Judge, but they could not identify with Him as Father until Jesus came. And in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 to 3, it says, Long ago, long ago God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. Now in these final days, say these final days, He has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. The son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. Okay. And he sustains everything by his mighty power of his command. And when he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down at the place of honor at the right hand of the majesty of God in heaven. And so Jesus came, basically, and he, he was revealing a new system which was relational. See, in the Old Testament, God spoke to his people through the prophets. And when the prophet came to town, people would start to shake. They'd be like, is it going to be good news? Are we going to go to battle and lose, or is God happy with us? Are we going to win the next battle? Is his favor upon us? We don't know, because only the prophets could hear God. But in the New Covenant, as believers... The Bible says God speaks to us directly through his son. And we can now come as God's children and call him Abba Father. Because if you're born again, the spirit of God has come upon you, the spirit of adoption. You've been adopted out of Satan's kingdom into the kingdom of God. And now you're a son and daughter. Isn't that powerful? So you don't need the prophets. You can hear God for yourself. The prophets are there to to confirm what God's already saying, but we don't need the prophets because God speaks directly to me. God speaks directly to you. And and how you hear his voice is to be hidden away in the secret place of prayer. But if we don't pray, we won't hear him. So God is calling us to prayer. He's calling us to hear his voice. He's calling us to address him as daddy, as God. And maybe you've had a natural father who wasn't good, who wasn't protective, but God is a perfect God. He's a good father. 
Amen? And so, so here's some quick characteristics of a good father. Number one, a good father is a provider. You know, uh, Philippians 4.19 says, And my God, say my God, shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So God wants to supply your needs. And as a father, you know, my kids want a lot of things that they'll, some of them they'll never get. But there'll always be a roof over their head and there'll be meals in their belly because I'm going to take care of them. That's my responsibility as a father to provide. All right? Um, number two, the next thing that we see here is a father is a protector. Fathers always want to protect their children. And, and the psalmist again says, who's a man of prayer, he understands. He says, the Lord is my rock. He's my fortress and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me and my place of safety. There's no, there's no system in the world that can save you, that can protect you like God. God is our ultimate protector. He is our ultimate savior. And God wants to protect you from the enemy. That's the heart of a father. The next one is he's a, a good father is a teacher. Okay? Psalm 32, 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. And God it wants to instruct you and teach you, but you hear his voice in the place of prayer. So as Christians, if see, the enemy, the enemy wants to keep you from praying because if you pray... You're going to hear God, and he's going to direct you. How many hear what I'm saying? So you say, I'm going to pray today. I'm, okay, this is my prayer time. You go to pray, and then your long-lost cousin that you haven't talked to in 20 years, the phone rings, and he's calling you. Hey, how you doing? I haven't talked to you in 20 years. The devil doesn't want you to pray because you can shake and change your life through prayer when you hear his voice guiding you. Amen? And so God is our protector. When we pray, we release protection over our children. When we pray, we release protection. And, you know, my mom and dad were praying for me as a teenager, and I was about, I was like 17 and a half, and I fell asleep one night. I was not interested in God. I was completely backslidden. And I had a dream that was so real, it was like I was there. And in this dream, I'm driving a white sports car with a nice gray interior, and I'm driving down the road, and this really catchy tune is playing, and, and I'm really liking it. I'm like, that's a great tune, right? And I'm driving, and I'm going down the 401, and I'm about to pass a truck, or I am passing a truck, and this song is on, and the truck moves over and hits me, and I go into the overpass, and I hit a brick wall, and I wake up, and I'm like, okay, that, must have, that's cr that was crazy. That scared me. And it was a very vivid dream, and I remembered it. Now, the problem was I was driving a station wagon because my, my, my parents said to me, listen, okay, they knew I was interested in chasing girls. And so they said, we're going to buy you a car, right, or we'll give you money for college. I said, I want a car, one or the other. So my dad says, okay, I'll go buy you one. He came back with this ugly station wagon, <laughs> and I couldn't pick up girls in it, so he was very smart. So it wasn't that car in the dream. And I'm sitting there going, what's going on? <laughs> so I sold that car and bought my own car because I was, and I bought a nice white sports car. And I'm driving it down the highway one day. And I'm just cruising along, not thinking anything of it. And all of a sudden, the same tune that I heard in my dream 
which was Pearl Jam, Jeremy. I can remember it to this day. Some of you might be familiar with that song. It was playing. The problem is the song wasn't written when I had the dream. And I heard it word for word as it was driving. And I was like, I'm in my dream. And I looked over. There was a truck. I slammed on my brakes. The truck moved. The overpass was there. So what God was doing was he was preparing. He was saving me six months prior to an accident because my parents were praying. And when I, think about, when I think about the dream, it's as vivid today as it was 20-some years ago. That's what God will do if we learn to pray. He becomes our protector. Amen? And so the next one is he's our teacher. Fathers are great teachers. And um, he's our friend in John 15, 15. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends, since I have told you everything the Father told me. And this, to me, is amazing that God is saying, you're my friend because I told you everything that the Father has told me. We're, you know, if you think of a best friend, you think of a friend that you share everything with. That's who Jesus, that's who the Father is to us. Isn't that good that he wants to be a friend? And there's other things that we can say about a father. A father is a disciplinary. We don't like that one so much. Right? And uh, healthy fathers love and take responsibility for their children. And so God wants to take responsibility for you. But we need to be in prayer so we can hear his voice. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Let us come boldly. Does it say timid, timidly or boldly? To the throne of grace, the grace of God, there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. And this is so important because a lot of people, when they mess up or they fall down or they fall into a bad habit they used to have, they feel so much guilt and fear and shame that they can't approach God, so they stop praying. And God doesn't want you to be that way. He wants you to come boldly. When you're in trouble and when you're struggling, you've got to go into the presence of God. Say, God, I need your help. I need your strength. I have an addiction or I have an attitude or I'm dealing with hatred in my heart towards that person. I need you to help me, God. I, I'm coming boldly because I need help. I'm in need. And the enemy wants you to feel guilt and shame and fear. But listen, you've been delivered from that because you're a son and you're a daughter. You don't have to live there anymore. I think we have a picture, right? The next slide. No, just keep going on the slides, and we'll, we'll get a picture coming up here. But here's the thing. God wants to be, God wants to take care of us. He wants to be the father that takes responsibility for us. Amen? And so we need to come boldly into the throne room of grace. You know, we, we hear about the prodigal son. The prodigal son comes back, and he just feels totally ashamed, and he says, you know, my father's not going to accept me as a son, so I'll just be a servant. Or, you know what, maybe I'll just be a slave, but he's not going to accept me as a son. And then the father comes and embraces him and restores him to his sonship. And then there's the other brother who's jealous because he's like, I always served my father. I always took care of everything. I, I served him. I served him. I served him. And he throws a party for my brother. He restores my brother. What about me? And the father says to the second son, hey, listen, everything that is mine, you freely have access to. Just come in. Help yourself. And when I wasn't living great and I wasn't living at home as a young adult, I remember coming home to visit my family. And in my family, 
the fridge, anyone could go to the fridge at any time. And so I'd come in, go boldly to the fridge. <laughs> KFC leftovers, I'm going to eat that. Just don't eat dad's, you know, cheesecake. Do not touch that. But, <laughs> but everything else, you know, come boldly. And so I'd go, I didn't come in and say, mom, dad, is it okay if I have, can I, can I please, I know I'm not worthy, but could I open the fridge door? Could I have that KFC that's left over that's cold and probably a week old? Is it okay? I, I came boldly and I would go and have access to the fridge. And um, I want to say this. Once you've been saved a while, God expects you to help yourself. He expects you to go into the, the kitchen of heaven and just say, Lord, I thank you for my healing. I thank you that you love me so much. And I thank you, God, that you're, you're a good God. And I, I, need, I need forgiveness today because I lost my temper with my wife today. I need you to forgive me. Thank you for forgiving me. And you leave and you feel nourished and you feel strengthened. But so many of us crawl in. We're like, God, please help me. And we come with the wrong spirit. How many hear what I'm saying? And the way you can tell if you really, really know God as your father, if you have that understanding, is how you find yourself praying. If you find yourself going and begging God to please, you know, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, please, please, please. Or you come in and saying, thank you, thank you, I receive, thank you, God. Because God wants you to see him as a father that wants to take responsibility for you. Isn't that good? And it says in Romans 8.32, Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? So we have to begin with identity, and that's what Jesus was saying. The second thing is we address his character in the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be your name. Go back one slide. There we go. Hallowed be your name. And, And we need to understand when we talk about Holiness. Holy just means set apart, uh, something that's pure, something that's sacred. And I just bought a car just a few weeks ago. It's not a new car by any means. It's seven years old. But I looked at this car, and I was blown away at the how clean the interior was. I lifted up the mats. It looked like no one had ever put their foot on the mats, put their foot on the carpet. It looked like a brand new car on the inside, like not a scratch on the dash, everything. Whoever had this car was like taking care of it. And I thought, this is awesome. So I bought the car and I drove it home and I took my son and his friend for a drive. And I said, do not eat in my car. Do not drink in my car. You know how it is when you buy a new car. Nobody's allowed to eat or drink in your car. Like it just, just you got snow in your pants, you can't get in the car, right? So, so because it's sacred. Now, two years later, I'm like that with every car. And about two years later, it's like, you spill the milk. It's like, I'll clean it tomorrow, right? No big deal. But at the time, it's still sacred. And so my, my kids are in the back, and yeah, we're not going to eat. And so I went in the store, and they broke the rule. So I come out the next day. I move the mat, and there's a piece of chocolate on my carpet. Now, good thing it's minus, like, 20 out because it didn't melt. And I'm like, <gasps> you know, it's like, you cannot eat it. Like, what, what was it? The car is sacred to me. It's new. It's special. And, and when Jesus is saying, you're addressing, you're saying, hallow be your name. You're saying, I, I love Jesus. Father, I love your name. I respect you. I honor you. You're my dad. But I value you. I treasure your name. And when I was newly saved, uh, you know, committed to the Lord, I was in Bible school. I was so passionate. And I was at work. 
And someone came in the bathroom and said, Jesus Christ, blah, 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 blah. And it was in a swear way. They were swearing. And I pinned him up against the wall and I said, don't ever talk about my God and friend like that again. I'll knock your block off. Yes, yeah, no, but sorry. They backed off. Now, how many of that was the wrong, wrong approach? But they never swore anymore. Like, it was pretty cool. Maybe we should implement that. No, never mind. But I was just like, the name of Jesus was so precious. And to hear someone use it, I was stirred inside. And I should have took it to prayer, but I got physical. Um, but we need to praise the Father. We need to recognize how sacred, how holy, how honor, how amazing he is. Right? My wife's got a little drawer. Like, beside her bed, she has a little drawer. And in there, you do not touch that drawer. She's got all her Swedish candies. And if you touch that, you're in trouble. Because it's sacred to her. It's special to her. God should be sacred. He should be that special. This time with God is sacred. He's my father, but he's also God Almighty. And he has my life in his hands, and I trust him. Does that make sense? And so this whole concept of hallowed be thy name. The next one is may your kingdom come. All right? Every kingdom has a government, leadership, and a culture. Okay, which is the sum of the way of living built up by a group of human beings and transmitted from one generation to the next. And so every generation has a culture and a way of thinking. And you, if you go to another country, it's good to learn about their culture because you can cause a lot of stir. I don't have time to get into that, but when I went to Sweden, I messed up a lot of things. People were upset with me all the time because I didn't know their culture. Well, the kingdom of God is different, Okay. He has a culture. He has a kingdom. Next one. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what is the will of God? What is the culture of heaven? First John 10, uh, John 10, 10. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich, satisfying life. So Jesus wants you to have a rich, satisfying life. Now, when I say that, if you have a religious spirit in you, you'll be like, I'm supposed to suffer for Jesus. No, you're not. I don't know about you, but since I gave my life to the Lord, I've had the most rich and satisfying life. I've had joy, peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness flowing through me. Amen. How many know that it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance? How many here have got a better life now that you know Jesus? Let me see your hands. So it's that, it's that relationship with God. And the satisfying joy that God brings, he gives you a better life. That's why people get persecuted. That's why we have martyrs through the generations. They're saying, I'm not willing to lay down this joy and this peace and this, this awesome God to go back into that system. I'd lose my life before that. Amen? So God wants you to have life, joy, and peace. And then 1 John 3.8 says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. All right? Jesus went about doing good and healing people who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Jesus told the Pharisees how to recognize kingdom culture. He said in Matthew 12, 20, 28, But if I'm casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. And here's the good news. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. Point at your neighbor and say, the kingdom of God is within you.
I had a pastor ask me the other day, he said, uh, he said, do you, are you, do you have a greater spiritual life than Abraham? And I said, no. He said, Abraham never cast out a devil. He never prayed for the sick. He never spoke in tongues. He, he never had the Spirit of God living within him. He had God speaking to him. Think about that. The people of old, the Old Testament, they only longed to have the Spirit of God living within them. And when we're born again, the Holy Spirit moves inside. And when we pray, we stir it up. And we become aware of God's presence and His strength and His culture and His kingdom within us. Amen? And so, uh, here's the seven directives in the Lord's Prayer. We'll bring up this slide. Our Father in Heaven, it's talking about identifying Him correctly. If you want to take a picture with your cell phone, that's what I usually do. Hallow be your name. You take time to honor and value his name in your prayer. Kingdom come, will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay? Pray for God to expand his kingdom and his culture. Give us this day our daily bread. Pray for physical and spiritual nourishment. Forgive us as we forgive others. Repentance and restitution. People don't like the second word there, but we have to forgive others. Lead us into temptation. We pray for guidance. God, don't allow me to get in the wrong track so that I get tempted. Let, guide me. But deliver us from the evil one. We're praying for protection during spiritual warfare. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. We recognize he's the source. We recognize his authority and glory, and then we declare it. Amen? And so those, those are the seven directives that we see in the Lord's Prayer. And I'm going to have David come. We're going to just close this up really quick. But how important is prayer? And why is it important? You know, I like what Le Leonard Ravenhill says, a sinning man stops praying and a praying man stops sinning. So if you're struggling with sin, you need to pray more. Talk to God about it. Amen? Don't let fear, guilt, and shame keep you from the presence of God. But go to God and say, God, I need your strength. I need your help. I'm having a hard time forgiving this person. I need your help. I need your spirit. Come, God. Put your love in me for the person. Start talking to God. Draw from the throne of grace. Don't let fear, guilt, and shame come on you. Shake that off because you're a son and daughter of God. He loves you. Amen? And uh, this is why it's important to pray. Jude 20 says, prayer charges our batteries for battle. And the last verse is Galatians 5.16. I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. What does that mean? That means when I take time to pray, I'm walking in the Spirit, and the kingdom of heaven starts getting charged. And all of a sudden, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control all starts to get stirred and, and, we're, and you're in communion with God. So suddenly you don't want to, whatever you struggled with in the past, like for example, I'm a, I, as, I always struggle with anger. I would snap on a dime and I'd get angry very quickly. That was before I got saved. Then I get saved, I become a Christian. The anger seems to be gone. But if I go two or three or four days without praying and spending time with God, I find myself starting to snap again, getting angry again. If you don't believe me, ask my kids, ask my wife. I could snap and get angry. And when I do, I go, oh my goodness. 
I've gotten away from prayer. And then I come back, Lord, I need, I need heaven to flow again. I, I, because this other kingdom that's invisible is tempting me to be angry or tempting me to be unforgiving. And you begin, you feel this, this pull in the spirit realm. And when you go to prayer and say, God, I need to be in your presence. And even if it's five minutes a day or 10 minutes a day, it's, it's not how long it's connecting your heart with God. Then you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh because you lose interest. Does that make sense? The appetites change. And uh, I was thinking a lot about this, and the Lord was speaking. When I, when, I first, when I was 20, 21, before I was married, I would spend two hours a day worshiping and then praying, talking to God. And, uh, you know, I don't have that kind of time. But as Christians, you know, we put on TV, right? We put on a show. We're watching a Netflix series, right? You're watching this. And, and, and you see people who are lying to one another, accusing one another, backbiting and fighting. And we sit and we entertain ourselves with that. It's TV programming. So we're programming ourselves to respond. And as good Christians, you know, the, the lovemaking scene comes on. So we change the channel or we fast forward and we say, look, feel good. I'm not watching that. Right? Push past but what happens is you're programming yourself as you're watching how people respond as unbelievers. And then you get in a situation and you start responding because you've been programmed to respond a certain way. How many hear what I'm saying? And I was just so close to the Lord in these early days in prayer that I couldn't watch TV because I'd watch, like I could watch the Hallmark Channel. But it wasn't that I was trying to be holier than thou, but it was like I would watch a show and I'd see people yelling and backbiting and fighting and lying and deceiving one another and it was like entertainment I'm like I'm not interested in that like I don't want to watch that anymore and I go back to prayer okay now I'm not saying don't watch TV and that's not what I'm saying what I'm trying to say is the more time you spend with God in prayer the less interested you are in the things of the world they begin to fade away does that make sense and I believe God is calling us so you know not to to work things up, but to just spend time in prayer. And as we do, we're going to lose interest in the things of the world. They'll simply fade away, and the presence of God will become real in our lives. And that's what God is calling us to in 2022. Let's stand and pray. Hallelujah. Now, in the first service, we had a little altar call, and we had people come to the front. Obviously, there's way too many of us. But God knows where you are in your seat. And I just want to, if, if you're feeling that God is speaking to you through this message, that in 2022, you want to make a commitment to pray more or spend time in prayer. That can be different for all of us. Just I want you to lift your hands. I want to pray with you. God spoke to you through this message that you, he's saying, I'm commit, asking you to commit to more prayer, more secret time place. If that's you, just lift your hand. I'm going to pray. Hallelujah. We see hands up everywhere. Father, I pray for every one of your saints here today, God. God, you're calling us to pray. You're calling us to charge up. You're calling us to, to be changed by the place of prayer. God, I ask, Lord, right now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would just breathe just a spirit of prayer upon your people, God. Father, there'd be such a hunger and such a desire to spend time talking with Daddy, spend time talking to the Father. God, let it be upon your people, God, in Jesus' name. I pray as we go this week, Lord, that every day we're going to be aware by your Spirit that it's time to pray. It's time to set a schedule to begin. And for some who don't pray much, even five minutes a day, start there. But start talking to your Father in heaven. 
Jesus says you have not because you ask not. So I thank you, Father, for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Can we just sing that Live for Your Presence there as we close? Whatever song you were just playing there. On earth as it is in heaven, let heaven rise earth as it is in heaven, let heaven come. Yes, Lord, let heaven come, Father. Let heaven come this week, Lord, as we're spending time with you, God, that we would experience heaven, we experience joy. If you're following us online or if you're in this building and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says if you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. And you need to just put your faith in Him. He'll wash away your sins. He'll cleanse you from the inside out. And if that's you and you have never made that commitment, today is the day to say, Lord, I give my heart to you. I ask you to change me from the inside. If that's you, I want you to pray with me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus. I know I'm not a perfect person. I've sinned. I've done wrong things. I ask that you'll forgive me and make me a son and daughter. Change me on the inside. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Well, listen, as you go this week, I just want to, again, challenge you just tap into prayer because those who will not tap into prayer as believers aren't going to make there's stuff coming it's not all bad a lot of it's good but if you want to stay in the river what God is doing you need to have the prayer life you have to pray it's very very important we need to pray amen God be blessed guys talk to you soon thank you for listening we hope that you enjoyed our message If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.